Don't look back because the market is closed. Good Friday afternoon, everyone. Tyler Harridge here with you for today's VRA Investing Podcast. It was another strong end to really what was a very strong week for our markets today. Another day here of all-time highs across the board for our major indexes. Uh, Got a lot to cover here in today's podcast, but first we're going to kick it off with some of the economic news from this morning as we got October's jobs reports. And this number did come in better than expected, which might have come as a surprise to many of you out there, especially if you've been tuning in to our podcast here, where we've been talking this week that the last few jobs reports have missed pretty big on estimates. Uh, So going into this week, the estimates weren't too high to begin with. The bar wasn't set that high. So not incredibly surprising to see uh, a beat with that in mind. But certainly much better than what we got from September, where we had, I believe it was, uh, you know, about half the number of what they were expecting. It was less than 200,000 jobs. That did get revised higher uh, this month, though, as well. But this morning, for October, non-farm payrolls number came in at 531,000 jobs created beating expectations of 450,000. And another surprising one here, the unemployment rate continuing to drop to a 4.6%. All right, so that's the good news from this jobs report. But if we're being completely honest about this and looking at it objectively, this is really anything but a great report. Uh, Not a blowout jobs number uh, that you would like to see, and especially when you think about what's been happening in our economy. The trillions of dollars in stimulus, both fiscal and monetary policy, and then also October was the first full month of hiring after the federal enhanced unemployment benefits ended. We've talked about that here a lot. Paying people not to work Sure, it might have been good uh, when we were still figuring out exactly what coronavirus was, but uh, that is not a long-term strategy for success by any means. So with all of those things in mind, these jobs reports should be crazy hot right now. I mean, we're talking closer to a million jobs created than the half a million number that we got. But instead, we still have more than 4 million fewer employees in the workforce than we did pre-coronavirus insanity. And that is including the fact, it's not like there aren't jobs out there to be filled. There are many, many unfilled job openings right now. I believe the number still sits at more unfilled jobs opening than there are people in the labor force right now. Uh, So, Now that these unemployment benefits have ended, and it was just last month as the first month, you know, there's still some people who are probably coasting off of what they earned during that time, especially if they invested it. Uh, But we should see that trend continue, hopefully here. You know, you you want people in the workforce. You want people to work for their money. It's a good thing, not only for the economy, but for the overall psychology of a nation here. You want a nation of hardworking people. Uh, That's how you win there. Uh, So I'll also point out that of those 531,000 jobs created, roughly 164,000 were low-income, 
to minimum wage jobs, mostly in the services sector, uh, which, you know, actually that number could have been a little bit higher, but we saw it earlier this week uh, from the ADP jobs number as well. These aren't the high paying jobs that we were getting used to pre-coronavirus, where people who were leaving the workforce were leaving very temporarily to go get a better paying job in a better industry uh, for a better company. That's not what we're seeing here. This is the reopening trade back into the services sector. These aren't exactly killer jobs that people really are, are, are dying for, are begging for here. Just another example that we're in the third term of Obama here. We've certainly seen plenty of those. Uh, and also in this report, a couple other things that make that evident as well. Uh, average hourly earnings rose 4.9% year over year, which, you know, that's a solid number, very good, but you have to look at what that means in a broader context as well. And you already have the Democrats and Biden saying that, uh, yes, inflation is happening, but it won't have a significant impact because wages are rising. Biden even said that we're better off than we were a year ago because wages are growing faster than inflation which on the surface, if you look at it from the frame of mind of a Federal Reserve economist, you can make that point where they take out all the necessities of living to calculate inflation. They don't include uh, rents, housing, education costs, health care, and a lot of food prices as well. Uh, <laughs> they really, they cherry pick that data pretty finely there for the Federal Reserve. So we all know that inflation is much higher, much, much higher than what the Fed's number really looks like. And here's just a quick example that this is on a global scale, so not just the U.S., but certainly we're not far off. This just came in today as well. In the 12 months through October, the world food commodity prices have surged 30, over 31%. So if your wages went up 4.9%, but you're paying a net 26% more on food, that eats away all of your gains over the course of a year right there. Then you not even taking into account rent prices, gas prices, uh, all kinds of other things. But of course, you know, your wages are going up. So be, be happy. Okay, just be happy. <laughs> That's what uh, the Biden administration, the Brandon administration wants you to believe here. Uh, but even the liberal media cannot hide behind this issue any longer. Uh, MSNBC, surprisingly, earlier today, reported against Biden. Uh, there, when, when you know, you know that when the media, the, especially the biggest fanboys of the media, start to turn against their own guy, it's starting to get bad. The poll numbers are coming in. They, they must be. They're thinking, okay, we got to make we got to make a change here. And especially probably their viewership numbers came in, and they're like, nobody trusts us anymore. So MSNBC, MSNBC directly said this morning that in fact American lives are not better. They showed that real wages after inflation are actually signaling that despite the wage increases. Their purchasing power is continuing to decline. They came right out and said it. And, you know, 
from a humanity point of view, that's not what we want to see. This doesn't make us happy to be reporting on that, but that is the reality of the situation, and people have to wake up to that. Uh, we can't just turn a blind eye to what's really going on and expect future generations to be all right here. So on the positive front, we certainly see the tide turning against Biden here, and hopefully that puts the pressure on his administration to make some changes, uh, although it doesn't seem to look like it at all. They're just going to continue to pass the buck, play the blame game, as they do so often, and really that they do so well. In some ways, uh, we should be taking uh, taking notes from them in that regard. Uh, not we, uh, per se, but you know, uh, their tactics... They work, and if that's the way they're going to play the game, then we have to adapt as well. But after the election results that we got this week where Republicans won many unexpected races, the Dems have to be waking up to the fact that if they don't make changes quickly, you know, turn away uh, from branding parents as domestic domestic terrorists and trying to pass through all these these regulations and laws and climate change action that really nobody is asking for right now. If they don't make changes quickly, then we can expect a massive beat from Republicans in the midterms, which is extremely bullish for our markets. Overall, the markets love gridlock in D.C. There's nothing better than gridlock for our markets because they know all right, we can operate under this current framework. We'll continue to adapt to it and nothing is going to change. It's going to throw us off of that of that uh, course of action. So the markets can continue to, to act on their own volition in a lot of ways without that other factors coming from the government. We need a free market as most as best we can at this point in our zombie economy that we have, which I'll touch on here in a second as well. But Overall, the Dems are waking up to this fact, and even though we did beat expectations today on employment, on wages, these are still signs that we're seeing a slowing economy here, and Kip touched on this yesterday as well. To clarify it, we're not saying that it's a bad economy, just a slowing economy here. Again, much like you would expect from the third term of Obama, where you didn't even have, I believe it was, the, the, the stat was that the only president to never have back-to-back -back quarters of 2% GDP growth. That's the environment that we're entering into again here. But the stock market soars. And so just like we saw under Obama, we expect that under Biden here as well. Going back to Clinton, very similar as well. The market does perform better under Democratic presidents. Uh, so... To kind of tie it all in here, like I was saying, this zombie economy, this is probably the main reason, and we've talked about this a lot this week as well, that the Federal Reserve's plan to taper is going to be short-lived. Uh, the way our economy is currently structured, we're so reliant on quantitative easing. It, you know, They call this QE4. We refer to it as QE infinity here. Is we're going the way of Japan, where this is just the way excuse me, that things operate now. And if the Federal Reserve, led by Jay Powell, isn't willing to go along with this, then Jay Powell will soon be out of a job. The rumor mill is already continuing to increase on this front, looking at, at Brainerd as their, their number one pick right now. We'll see if that ultimately is the one they go with. Uh, 
But if Jay Powell jumps on board with this train, then they might keep him in. But the Democrats, they want someone who will be fully on board with their to be accommodative with their party's plans here. They want to use the Federal Reserve as a piggy bank to fund all of these initiatives uh, from social justice issues, the same ones I'm talking about earlier that Americans really don't care for, but they can circumvent the system to go after them with the help of the Federal Reserve, at least in some regards. And as we've seen from this administration, legality does not mean a whole lot to them. So however they can do it, they're going to try and do it. But Again, social justice issues, climate change issues, they need the Fed to back them up on this. And if that does appear to be the case, which it does to us here, then our melt-up theme for Dow Jones to hit 100,000 could really happen faster than anybody anticipated, even faster than we anticipated. You could start to see that popping up in mainstream media headlines as well uh, if we continue down this path, which we expect we will. And... You know the Democrats and you know the Rhino Republicans want to keep this stock market high for a few reasons here. Number one, that they're fully invested in this market, trading on their insider deals, so they don't want to see a stock market crash. They've got their money tied up in it as well. The second being the theme of our book, The Big Bribe Here. This is how you keep the middle class complacent. When your retirement plan keeps looking better and better, the stocks that you're buying keep going up, well, you're less likely to raise your voice and demand better from your leaders because you're thinking, okay, well, I'm looking pretty good right now, looking better than I was a year ago at this time. So, you know, maybe it's not as bad as it seems. That's how they sneak in these policies that they want. And then lastly, for this reason, would be that they stand a better chance, and by they I mean the Democrats, stand a much better chance in the 2022 midterms with the stock market sharply higher. Uh, So as we talk about here often as well, the Fed isn't going to do anything that could damage the chances of the Democratic Party ahead of an election year. Just go back and look at, at what history has told you in the actions of the Federal Reserve. And Rates today seem to be confirming our thesis here. Rates have looked like looked like they've topped out at least short term here. And they made another lower high from where they peaked in March of this year. So in March of this year, getting all the way up to a 1.74, a whopping 1.74. This time, the high at a 1.68, and it looks like we are headed lower from here today. The 10-year yield was down 4.66% to a 1.45, and we fully expect rates to continue lower from here. We've already seen the dovish stance that Jay Powell has presented at his most recent FOMC meeting. We expect that to continue as, as well here. And ultimately, at the end of the day, our job here, we love to talk about this stuff because we want to make people aware of it, but our job is to make you money. And we believe that all of, for all of the factors that I just mentioned, this is going to be extremely bullish for our markets, for stock prices. Uh, between inflation and quantitative easing, This market has almost no choice but to continue higher from here. Uh, And especially over the medium to long term, over the short term, we're entering the seasonally most bullish time of the year, a time that we we did take some profits recently, 
but we remain near fully invested in this market right now and, and are going to be looking to continue to add to positions here. Uh, I talked about this on Wednesday's podcast and Kip covered it yesterday as well. But this stat is that important. It deserves repeating here one more time. Everybody should know this for this time of the year. So for seasonality, since 1945, a $10,000 investment in the S&P 500 returned $4 million if it was invested from only November to April. And then you get into the sell in May and go away time frame. And look how true that is. If you'd taken that same $10,000 investment and only invested it from May to October, you would have made only $117,000. So $117,000 versus $4 million. So undoubtedly, this is the best time of the year to be in the markets and our major indexes. Prove that here again today. Uh, again, a positive across the board here. New all-time highs across the board. And check out this. The NASDAQ just wrapped up its 10th positive session in a row. That's some serious strength, folks. Finished higher 15 out of the last 17 sessions. And very similar action from the S&P. Just finished up seven days in a row as well. And 16 out of the last 18 sessions higher as well for the S&P 500. <laughs> so that's some serious strength from our market. So let's dive into that. Today, we were led by the Russell 2000 up 1.44% to 2,437. We were followed there by the Dow up just over half a percent to 36,327. Next up was the S&P 500 up 0.37% to 4,697. And lastly, the NASDAQ, which briefly got above 16,000 for the first time ever today, settled a little bit below that, finishing up two tenths of 1% at 15,971. And Important note here is not just U.S. indexes hitting all-time highs right now. We're starting to see it globally here as well, uh, seeing some of the euro stocks, the ETFs that track those hitting all-time highs, uh, and some of the individual ones for uh, some of the European countries hitting all-time highs as well. So we'll be continuing to track that here, but as we say often, new highs begets new highs. That's certainly been the case recently. Looking at our internals on the day, we've we've actually seen a little bit of an interesting trend here where maybe not blowout internal numbers, but we've opened with almost mixed numbers on the internals and finishing strong. That's exactly what you want to see. It's a very healthy and very bullish pattern. Same thing with our indexes. If you open weak and finish strong, very bullish. If you get the opposite, we're opening strong and finishing weak. That's a market that you want to take a hard look at before you start adding to your positions. But today, again, starting off a little weaker, not extremely weak, but finishing pretty nicely here, advancing stocks, beating out declining stocks across the board, almost two to one positive here for the NYSE and a little closer, but still positive for the NASDAQ. New 52-week highs and lows had a very strong day today. Uh, one of the highest numbers we've seen in a little while was 735 stocks hitting new 52-week highs right now to just 112 hitting 52-week lows. So six and a half to one positive on the day today. And lastly, volume coming in almost two to, oh, actually a refresh here at the end of the day did come in over two to one positive, a uh, little closer for the NASDAQ, but positive there as well. And then 
Let's take a look at our sectors on the day today. We finished with 10 out of our 11 S&P 500 sectors higher on the day and a number of all-time highs here as well. We're led by energy, took a little breather recently, but led the way again today, has been leading all year. Next up were the industrials, which hit their first all-time high today since May of this year. That's a, a pretty long time frame compared to some of our other sectors and especially our indexes to go without a fresh high from the industrial. So good to see there as well. Next up were utilities, materials, communication services, and then back to the all-time highs. Consumer discretionary, all-time high. Consumer staples, all-time high. And then tech, all-time high today as well. And just what you want to see, semis leading tech. Not huge outperformance here, but the semis did also hit a fresh all-time high today, up just under eight-tenths of 1% for the semis. And then lastly there, real estate actually hit the, the sector, not the housing indexes, but the real estate sector as a whole hit an all-time high today as well. Our one laggard on the day was healthcare. Moderna, let's see where they finished at. Because uh, they were down big earlier today, uh, finishing down 16.5% on a little bit of news that they're falling behind Pfizer. I believe Pfizer was up some 8% earlier, finished up over 10% on the day there. I won't get into the whole vaccine discussion here. As Kip talked about, we've got a great podcast Great interview coming in next week, uh, I believe next Wednesday for you. So stay tuned on that. It'll be on YouTube. It'll be here on our podcast. So we're looking forward to bringing that here for you as well. And then finally for today, our VRA Commodity Watch Gold. Pretty pretty solid day today from gold hitting its highest level since early September here. This is a group that we do remain very bullish on. And much like our major indexes, this is one of the most or the bullish, most bullish time of the year seasonally to be in gold in the miners. Gold up today 1.43% to 1,819 an ounce. Silver up 1.3% to $24.22 an ounce. Copper now up about half a percent to four dollars and thirty four cents a pound, and oil up a big after the little breather that we got from oil, but up big today three point two six percent to eighty one dollars and eighty or thirty eight cents a barrel here. Not necessarily something that we love to talk about, but this has been a call that we pretty much nailed here at the beginning of the year, saying that we we're going to get back to a hundred dollars a barrel on oil here. We continue to trek closer to that. Uh, again, don't like love to see the higher gas prices, but that from everything we saw, that was the call, and we're sticking to it here. Finally, for today, cryptos taking a little bit of a breather today. Nothing down big, but a lot of red from cryptos in general. Bitcoin now down 0.63 percent to sixty thousand eight hundred and forty-five a Bitcoin. Folks, that's all that we have time for here today. Please be sure to subscribe to our VRA podcast every day at the market close. Both uh, no video today, but we'll be doing those pretty regularly here as well. So check us out on YouTube, Vertical Research Advisory. And to sign up for our podcast, join us at VRAinsider.com. Click the podcast link at the top, and we'd love to have you with us. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, have a great weekend, and we'll see you back here on Monday for the close.